On this episode of Scammer Stories, a tale from a veteran who's been targeted by scumbag scammers and tracked down by victims. People will stalk you and hunt you down on social media and make all kinds of wild comments. And when you don't respond, it can turn nasty. This soldier is a little different than what you've heard so far on Scammer Stories. There's larger implications at work here other than just trying to get somebody to fall in love with you and send you money. AJ is actually educated in the effects of social media, and he's a published author on the topic. We're going to take a deep dive on the effects of scamming from his perspective and what the world of social media is doing now, and even scarier, the possibilities for the future. Briefly, just touch on just a little bit about you, kind of where you live and a little bit of what you're doing, just so people know why you're in this situation. I'm a retired Army non-commissioned officer. Uh, I served in the Navy for my first five years and then transferred to the Army in, uh, in 06. And I uh, served in the Army until I was medically retired in 2014. I hate social media. I never really use it. But I started doing a lot of research. I'm a published research sociologist. And I started doing a lot of research on social media uh, and its effects on influence in organizations and personally. And I did that for about three years. I worked for the Department of Defense since I retired. And, and in 2017, I took a position in Japan and found that, uh, you know, there's lots of people that I don't really get a chance to communicate with any other way. So I chose the most positive social media presence there is, which was Instagram at the time. It generally has the most positive kind of outlook to it. I don't use Facebook because it's filled with diatribes and negativity. And LinkedIn is really just business type stuff. So I just wanted something that was short and sweet and simple and right to the point. That's one of the reasons why I chose Instagram. And about two or three months after having the account, I got my first message. And I say first because I've gotten hundreds and hundreds since. Some random woman from the Philippines sent me a message asking if I was the real me. It was kind of like, oh, thank God, I finally found the real you. Is this the real you? You know, Do you have this name? Do you have this account? Uh, is this person you? And they forwarded me a bunch of information of another Instagram account with my pictures. And at this point, so, you probably hadn't heard of any of this before then, right? Did you know what was no, going on? No, I, I had no idea. So I was really infuriated that somebody had stolen my photos and started a, an impersonation account. They even had my name pretty ballsy, I, I would say. So I reported the account and I told the person, no, that wasn't me. And they went, you know, she went into this really long story about how she had lost a couple thousand dollars. Uh, she had been talking to this person for about two months and I was only like three months or so into having an account. So it, it happened pretty quickly, I guess. And I felt really sympathetic and really sad for what she went through, only to discover that she had gotten scammed. And then when she finally realized she had gotten scammed, that's when she decided to try and go to the authorities and nobody would help her. And then she went on this witch hunt to try and find me, essentially. And I wanted to do everything I could to try and help her. And then at the same time, I felt, you know, wildly infuriated at the individual that had done this. This is a story we've heard before. Some of you have lived it, not being able to get help anywhere. But AJ obviously has heart. So I went through this period where I tried to help her out and I tried to give her resources to try and point her in a direction where she can try and get some kind of advocacy, some kind of help, anything, law enforcement, you name it. But it took up a great deal of my personal time and I have a full-time job. I couldn't spend that much time trying to help her. 
That was just the beginning for AJ and his nightmare. Eventually, it sort of went quiet, you know, after about a week or so. And then I got another message from somebody else. I think that person was in like Bolivia. Same kind of situation. You know, I felt really bad, wanted to really help out, found this account, reported it to Instagram, and they took it down. And then I got another message and then another one and another one. I probably average about one sometimes to a week, you know, four or five a month of random people who will reach out to me on the instant messenger on Instagram asking if I'm the real me. And they all have the same stories. Oh, thank God I finally found the real you. I've been talking to this person for days or weeks or months. And sometimes they've lost thousands of dollars. Sometimes they say they've lost tens of thousands of dollars. But sometimes it gets even beyond that. I've had numerous cases over the last three years where these poor people, they fall so emotionally in love with the fictional character that they got attached to, that when they find me, they superimpose their image of who they think I am onto me. It's become now a new problem where I've had to end up blocking some of them. They started stalking me. So there's been a handful of times where women would, one in Brazil, for example, where she started saying things like, oh, my soldier, she would make these posts, my soldier, my love, talking about how she was going to give up everything and sell everything and, and hunt me down and find where I live and move to be with me. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. That's not what this is supposed to be like. I feel bad that you went through this, but I'm sorry, but that's not who I am. We don't know each other. And so I had to block her. She started another account so she could follow me and I had to block that account. And that's happened quite a few times. Many of the romance scam victims I've spoken to here on this podcast feel like veterans aren't victims, but they go through their own kind of roller coaster hell. I went through this long phase of where I've, I felt genuinely hurt for them. And then I started to lose that kind of emotion and become a little apathetic. And now I've kind of rebounded to the point where I'm like, yeah, this is, this is a serious issue. And I started doing lots of research on it and finding out that, well, this is extremely common, I guess. Lots of veterans. This is like the, un, the untold plight of the veterans community. And it's not just in the United States. It's throughout Europe. It's around the world where they're being used by scammers constantly in these, these love scams to try and get uh, victims money. Now, let's back up a little bit. I'm just curious. When you said that you tried to find help, did you find any place? Unfortunately not. The resources that I did find were fairly limited. There's a number of legal protections for social media companies that prevent them from being litigated against. For the most part, they, they have the ability to wash their hands of it and not take any responsibility. Law enforcement can't really do anything uh, in many places. The United States, for example, unless the individual's in the U.S., and unless there was a transaction of some kind and they can find out who they were and where they were, then there's nothing that they can do. The scammers that have been using my photos, they've used it across every social media platform you can imagine. I've gotten people who have told me that they have found pictures of me on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Uh, they found them on Google, Google Hangouts, the games they have on there, all over the place. And so there's nothing to say, okay, we can find these people, we can hunt them down, we can prosecute them. You can't find them because you don't know where they're at. And then once you get rid of an account, they just start a new one. Remember, this is a veteran well-versed in social media and technology in general. And you can tell, he's obviously very intelligent. The majority of the time, there's a couple that are in like um, Logos, Kenya, places in West Africa, the Philippines and the Middle East that are habitual offenders. These are places where you have people who just, when their account gets shut down, they just start 12 new ones. Really, all the resources that I've tried to go and find to help combat this particular issue are severely limited right now. I don't know how much more I can possibly do besides 
trying to find the accounts and just get social media companies to take some kind of responsibility to help out with the problem. So do you still report the accounts or do you even bother? For two years, I would spend a significant amount of time pretty much daily uh, scrolling through Instagram using the search feature to look up any variations impossible of my name. I tried using reverse image searches, different services like Tenai and Google and trying to find these accounts and hunt them down and get rid of them. And uh, I was successful for about two years. Then one day, all of a sudden, it seems like the scammers suddenly got a bit of intelligence and they started making accounts and then blocking me in advance. So now I can't even see them. I had no idea they would exist until somebody, like I said, once a week would reach out to me and and report one to me. But then I couldn't even see the account because they had blocked me uh, as soon as they made the account. That's when AJ hit a fork in the road that I crossed with my mother's scam. Finally, I was able to find answers from online Facebook groups like Scamming Scammers Action, Scam Haters United, and Advocating Against Romance Scams. Right about that point, that's when I started reaching out to, there's a few organizations that work with social media companies like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook to also try and combat the the scamming issues. And so I started trying to reach out to them and work with them to report these accounts so that they could get them deleted and, and report them and get them taken down. So what are some of the other problems that this has caused you? Because a lot of guys will say, wow, that'd be awesome to have women reaching out to you all the time, saying they're in love with you. It's not as fantastical as it may seem. (laughs) It's become a hindrance, really. You do end up with, you end up with uh, real sympathetic cases of people who have been, who have actually been scammed. They fell for it. They sent lots of money. And I feel terrible for them that that happened. But you also end up with the spectrum of craziness where people will stalk you and hunt you down on social media and make all kinds of wild comments. And when you don't respond, it can turn nasty. Sometimes they'll get pretty nasty online. You have to handle the situation very carefully. I've tried to take more of a diplomatic approach towards it now. It's not as great as people would think to have tons of people constantly reporting to you that your pictures are being used and that they fell in love with somebody who seems to be you. Most people are pretty reasonable. They report it. Oh, thank you for your time. And then they move on. But some people can get pretty crazy. And it's those times it becomes worrisome because now it's kind of invading on your personal life and your personal privacy. And about what percentage would you say of the women who have reached out to you don't believe you when you say that the other man isn't you? I would say maybe about 10%. Oh, really? I mean, you could say, well, yeah, that's 90% that understand the reality behind it. But there's still 10%, I would say, out there roughly that don't. I've had a couple of them last year in 2019 try to tell me that I'm a scammer. Where the scammer that they were talking to had convinced them that they were the real person and then pointed to my account, the one and only account I have, and convinced them that I was pretending to be them. And what about, have you ever had a, maybe a friend, a family member, or a coworker notice one of the scamming accounts with your picture on it and confront you? So no, that hasn't happened yet. I mean, I would say, thank God that hasn't happened yet. I don't, I don't want like my, my parents, my father and my mother or, or somebody, you know, reaching out to me and be like, oh, is this, you know, is this you? No, that's not me. It would be an awkward situation to say the very least about it. There's millions and millions and millions of people online. The odds of that happening are statistically very low. I think that for the most part, scammers, they try to fly under the radar. They don't try to advertise themselves too much. 
if you think about it, they're creating a, a facade. They're creating this false image of who they are, and they're not really trying to make themselves be too big or they'll get noticed. At, at least that's my experience with it. I'm not sure if that's the case all the time, but so far, the overwhelming majority of particular accounts that I've discovered impersonating me online to try and scam women with around the world it, were pretty low-key. Not too many posts. There's a few things they all kind of follow, a few, a few um, indicators that they all kind of have. You know, they follow tons and tons of people. They follow tons of people who are all the same. But then they have very few posts on there. They're, they're not really active that much. So it's kind of like they get involved just enough with social media to get, to get somebody hooked. And they're looking for a specific kind of person. And that's the person that they're going to target. I asked AJ if his professional or personal life has been impacted and pointed out in a previous episode where a man had a hard time finding a job because he had so many people posting his pictures with the big red letters scammer posted across the image. I have read about that and I've been kind of fearful about that as well. Thankfully, that hasn't happened to me, but I have been really fearful of, of something like that possibly happening in the future. He's also just started to experience the glorious world of Photoshop. Finding his head on different bodies. Just as a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, a lady in England sent me a series of pictures on Instagram through the messenger uh, where she screenshotted this account of this guy on Google Hangouts who was pretending to be me. And he had taken my face and cut it out of pictures and photoshopped it really poorly onto some Marines because I'm army. And uh, he, he photoshopped it onto some Marines, uh, some images of Marines in Fallujah in, in Iraq from, I think, 2003 to 2005, somewhere around that area. You know, the early days of the wild, wild west, basically. And then he, he was claiming that uh, he was deployed. That was one of the scam tactics, you know, and he, and he did one of those typical stories where, oh, I'm deployed. I can't do anything. I need money, that kind of thing. And he sent that picture to her, and then she basically called BS on it. So he sent her another picture of a driver's license from New York with one of my photos from Instagram photoshopped onto it. The most audacious thing was that my picture was photoshopped onto this driver's license, but underneath it was the signature of the actual owner, some lady, and her name was all over it. And the birth date was from like 1969 or something like that. So apparently I changed into a woman. I had a woman's name and I aged by like a, by, by, by a decade and a half. Uh, I could see it. <laughs> <laughs> so is this something, you know, a lot of vets, is this something you guys talk about or does it ever come up or is it coming up more? The crazy thing is that I've met more veterans who have been affected by this online than I have in real life. I've talked to tons of my friends and they've never even heard of this. I've talked to lots of people I work with and they have no idea this kind of thing happens. It seems to be an unheard of, like, oh, like I was saying earlier, it's an unheard of plight. It is a huge problem uh, that is growing, unfortunately, and it's multinational. It's, it's around the world. I've met um, German army military veterans, Swedish. I got friends in Sweden, Norwegians, Danes, U.S., Canadians, Australians, Kiwis, you know, from New Zealand, military members from around the world who have, you know, suffered at having their images stolen and being used for scams. But nobody else seems to kind of understand that this is something that happens. When I talk about it to people I've, that I work with, it's the first time they've heard about it. And that's crazy. What are some of the things you do on Instagram to keep your account safe and keep your picture safe? So... I started putting watermarks on all of my pictures. 
Okay, we're going to nerd out just a little bit on AJ's expertise because it's important. I want you to hang around for a surprising message he has about victims contacting veterans in just a bit. So let me back up a little bit. I said I don't like social media. I don't like social media because I've done a lot of research on social media. And I understand a lot of the social psychology of what social media does to people. It falsely masquerades as a primary group uh, psychologically. So primary groups are like family members, close friends, people like that. People that are very close to you that you associate with every day. Secondary groups would be like work associates and people who are acquaintances that you don't really know. Social media falsely masquerades as a primary group. And because of this, it's highly addictive for two reasons. One, because your brain likes the interaction between people that you think you're close with. And two, every time you get a notification or every time you get a message or every time something happens on social media that involves you, it releases dopamine in your brain. And this is a happiness chemical. It's the same kind of chemical that a lot of hard drugs replace. Things like heroin and cocaine and methamphetamines replace this in your brain. So it's extremely addictive. So, you know, it could be two o'clock in the morning, your phone lights up and, and you get this urge to want to check it because you think it involves you. Yes. My mother was on her deathbed and would wake up at all hours of the night to talk to her scammer who went by Gerald. By the way, victims are on scammers time zones. That's one reason the messages are often late. Scammers also use this to keep their victims sleep-deprived and delirious. The side effects of that, it vastly increases feelings of isolation, uh, loneliness, and depression because the conscious you understands that these people are thousands of miles away or you may not really actually know them. They're not that close. So you have this subconscious tug of a primary group and then you have this chemical addiction that happens every time a notification goes off and then your brain realizes, okay, I'm not actually attached to these people. So you get these increased feelings of isolation, depression, and loneliness. It also creates a lot of fallacies. Social media tends to create echo chambers. It tends to pump biases. It takes rare and isolated incidences and it makes them seem like they're commonplace every day. Uh, it creates division. You know, you can scroll through Facebook and in 10 minutes you can find the worst of humanity in the comments section. So I don't like social media. I'm not a fan of it. However, for me, it's a necessary evil. I started a social media account for two primary reasons. And one of them was to keep in contact with people who unfortunately don't communicate any other way. And then two was as a sociologist, a researcher and a published author, I use it to try and market my work. So I use it for that purpose. The problem is that having it as a necessarily evil, I have to find ways to try and protect myself. And I didn't do that from the very beginning. I would just make a post and I would put a picture and call it a day. Because of scammers, I've had to resort to other means like superimposing watermarks onto my images to make sure that I'm using as many tags and keywords as possible to try and get people back to my original account. Originally, my account was locked before it became public. That was for a different set of reasons entirely. If I'd have left it locked, then the possibility of my images being stolen and used by scammers would have been a lot less, significantly less. Once it was made public within the first uh, couple of weeks of having it, then it was fair game at that point. There's really nothing that I could have done to stop scammers from taking screenshots and using the images. And unfortunately, even in the cases where I have put watermarks on images, I've discovered some of those images have still been cropped and photoshopped and used. It'd be hard. You'd have to put the watermark everywhere. It'd have to cover everything. You, you would. And unfortunately, then it completely destroys the image itself, it, making it, you know, uh, unrecognizable. The other vets that you've talked to, you've had vets reach out to you to find out what to do then? I have. 
I've done the same thing with them. I've pointed them towards advocacy groups. I've tried to help them utilize the best tools that they possibly can to protect themselves. I've told people that if they have an account, they should make it private unless they're using it for business purposes, which unfortunately, according to the rules of most social media companies, your account has to be public if you use it for business purposes. I've tried to educate people on the realities of scammers utilizing veterans for love scams and It's commonplace, but it's still unknown. It's still widely unknown. And there's a large uphill legal battle that needs to be fought with it as well. What he talks about next is what we all need to ponder a little bit. My mother thought her scam was innocent enough. It only affected her, right? What if she was teaching them to steal more and more? My brother and I were just talking about this last week, how we feel like we've been targeted more by scammers lately. And some of that's just the times we live in. But mom gave out all of our information to her series of scammers, pictures, birth dates, anniversaries, everything. Unfortunately, there's also a a large array of secondary implications that come from these types of things. These are gateway scams, in my opinion. From some of the research that I've done, some of the things I've learned about these types of scams, they're gateways to other kinds of criminal activity. Some women have given personal information that's been used to to rob them blind, where people will come up with ways to to take money from you, like uh, ATM skimmers, that kind of technology. Some women have given out personal information to the point to where that they've had their accounts hacked. Everything from as low as that to as high as uh, human trafficking. Uh, You know, these can all be very big issues. Uh, If you can get somebody to manage to physically get them to report to a specific place, you know, abductions and human trafficking can occur as well. There's larger implications at work here other than just trying to get somebody to fall in love with you and send you money. Yeah. I talked to a young girl who she showed up in New York City from Canada and uh, she got lucky. He let her go, but he was arrested about six months ago charged with trafficking. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That kind of thing started off as a love scam. In a case like that, where he's like, oh, hey, why don't you come fly here and meet me at this place? You don't even realize the kinds of evil people that exist in the world who will instantly snatch you up. And, you know, in three days, you could be in some Middle Eastern country working as a slave. Yeah. So instead of losing all of your money, it could be worse. You could be enslaved. Or you could lose your life. I'm always interested in hearing ideas on how to make the social media companies stand up and take notice. We're tired of being taken advantage of, which is what advocating against romance scammers is trying to do. That's why I joined the board. Uh, So what are your ideas on how to fix this then? I'm not necessarily sure. I think it's very complicated. Legally, I think a large amount of it could be stemmed if we could shift some of the onus of responsibility, some of the burden of the responsibility onto the social media companies. I'm not going to suggest that that's 100% fix, but I will say that if there's a way that we could force these companies pretty much against their will to take some kind of responsibility for the content that is placed on their websites, but in such a way that it doesn't result in taking more advantage of end users then we could possibly stem a large percentage of scamming activities. For example, right now, many of the social media companies, they benefit from the idea of being a publisher. That legally allows them to wash their hands of any kind of responsibility of whatever gets put on their website by users. Unfortunately, if companies are dictating you know, what particular things they like and what they don't, then they don't really meet the requirements of a publisher. So That being said, you could argue that they should accept responsibility for the kind of content that's placed on their websites. If they were legally forced to accept responsibility for what gets put on their sites, then now they're required to verify and monitor and make sure that the stuff that gets put on there meets legal requirements. So if we're saying 
that a social media company has to verify that every person that's on their website is a real person, then that might work at stemming some illicit activities. The tricky part and the hardest part about doing it is you can't just say, okay, you're now responsible, Instagram, for making sure that every person's a real person. Because every company is going to maximize their own benefit. That's just basic economics, right? So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to come up with the most stringent ways possible to do so. And their implementation of that is going to take even more advantage of the people who use the platform. More privacy invasion, more data collection, you know, more of all the things that people don't want. So what you have to do is you have to you have to regulate it in such a way very carefully with very careful wording that says, okay, you're responsible for this and you have to make sure that, you know, these kinds of things can't happen. But you have to do it in such a way that it doesn't result in taking more advantage of the people who are using your platform. And I think that that's a very complicated process to do. If you think about it, human data mining is the business of the 21st century. It's the billion-dollar business of the 21st century. I don't know if really people understand this. It used to be that the industry was focused on technology and physical products. That shifted with the birth of Google. Google became a billion-dollar industry in less than 10 years because you gave them your search analytics, which they used to sell to the highest bidder, in exchange for you being able to look up any information you wanted online, right? Facebook did the same thing. They said, well, wow, if people are willing to search, let's give them a platform. They could put their whole lives on there. We'll call it free, but it's really not free. You just don't see the exchange of money. In exchange for your entire identity, Facebook took what you put on there and sold it to the highest bidder and became a billion-dollar company within less than a decade, and they replicated Google's uh, business model. So you got to plaster your life all over Facebook, but the reality is that your life was being sold to anybody, the government, other businesses, companies, and corporations who wanted to take advantage of your data to market you crap or to track you or do whatever, right? What's scary about that is the next evolution of human data mining. Go to 23andMe and Ancestry.com and ask them what you're doing with your DNA. With Ancestry and 23andMe, you're paying them 100 bucks to get a roadside trinket of a DNA map that every person on the planet has. So for $100, you can ridiculously claim that you're 10, 24th, whatever. And they give you this piece of paper that is not even an actual real DNA mapping. Uh, it's, it's not DNA sequencing. It's just a, it's kind of a roadside trinket. But you gave them your DNA. And you signed a contract that tells them that, that legally says that they are that they are allowed to store your information for whatever use they want. Now, 10 years or 20 years from now, they could be using that against you. you who knows? You may not even be able to get insurance because some distant relative had uh, uh, similar sequence markers to, for predictions of cancer or some kind of disease. Uh, and you may not have it. You may be turned down for military service based on some other person in your family line that had some some rare disease that you don't have and you're fully qualified to join the military, but they may not accept you because of the DNA that's on file. They could use you as a witness in, in trial in court, even without you being present because your DNA matches closely with the DNA of the, of the perpetrator on trial. So the scary implications of human data mining being a business are, are well beyond simply you know, trying to find criminals. When you think about it, scamming works the same way. It's human data mining. You're taking an identity and creating a fake one from it, and then you're using it to elicit cash. But what are the broader long-term implications of what they're doing? 
you can get someone's identity, you can get their personal and private information, you can get them to show up to a place, you can abduct them, put them in slavery, murder, or kill them. So it's really scary, and this is a huge problem. It's not just a problem for the people who are victimized on the love side of it, it's a problem for the veterans who have their identity stolen as well because it, it affects them too. So we're all victims, just on opposite ends of the same totem pole. And then at the same time, there's a laundry list of potential criminal activity issues that right now may seem rare, but in the future could become much more mainstream. And that's pretty scary. Okay, another question on a kind of a different topic. The experts recommend that victims don't reach out to the person in the original picture. What's your take on that? That's a great question. So I wouldn't even know about, I would say, 99% of the of the scammer accounts that, that were using my image, unless somebody reached out and told me about it. I would say 100% now almost, because most of the scammers that are habitual offenders that have been using my images have started blocking me in advance so that I couldn't get them deleted. So I'm thankful for it when they, the person realizes, oh man, this person's a scammer or you know, their lies don't add up, so they, they're probably fake. And then they, they hunt me down and find me. I do reach back and say, you know, 90% of the time, it's a good interaction where they show up and say, hey, I, you know, is this you? And I'm like, no, that's not me. And then they say, okay, well, thank you very much. You know, I, you know, they, this is all the stuff that we talked about and what happened. And I apologize to them. Sorry that you had to go through that and I'll take care of it and get the account deleted. And that's the end of it. But yeah, there are some times where it becomes into something more where, you know, I get stalked and, and I have to end up blocking the individual because they just cannot, they cannot wrap their, their mind around the idea that the person that they were interacting with wasn't really the real person. It wasn't me. Do women ever send you naked pictures? Yes. Uh, I didn't really want to get into that. But. <laughs> well, we got we to gotta bring this up because we have to discourage women from doing So this. I do. And, and yeah, I want to go on record and say I highly discourage anybody do that. Never, 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 never. I don't care who you are. You never put naked pictures of yourself online. That's the worst thing you could possibly do uh, as, far as, as far as that particular topic goes. But yes, I, I do get them. Mostly from that 10%, you know, that uh, 10% cases where they reach out and, uh, and then they end up superimposing their emotional attachment onto the fake person that they thought they fell in love with onto me and try to get me to reciprocate in that way. I have gotten pictures and some, and some personal videos, uh, and I've had to report them. I have to be polite and, and diplomatic about it. And I have to say, look, I, you know, I'm really sorry that, that this happened to you, but that's not me. And we don't know each other. And I'm, I'm not going to fall in love with you. I'm not going to respond to your images. And if you keep going down this road, it's not going to be good for you. I'm going to have to block you. I'm going to have to report you. And you're probably going to have your account deleted. But that doesn't stop them. There have been people who have sent uh, some very private video and, and uh, uh, nudity photos. And, and I've, had to, I've had to block them and I've had to report them for it. The gay romance scams are on the rise. Do you ever get contacted by men who are in love with you or believe they're in love with you? So twice. Uh, there were two times uh, in 2019 where I have had a guy reach out to me, and uh, and it was a similar situation. I have discovered, however, that uh, in those two cases, in both times, 
they were extremely respectful and they were extremely reasonable. What about family members of victims? Have they reached out to you? That happened to me a couple months ago. I had a, a daughter reach out to me. Her mother was the one being scammed. Um, or she didn't fall for it, but her mother uh, had a Facebook account. She was talking to this guy that was, that had, using my name, A.J. Powell, on a Facebook account that I guess had been sitting idle since 2017. So the account was started, and it sat there for years, uh, and then it was finally getting used, and her mother was falling for it, and she was you know, elderly. And uh, her daughter, who was in her early 20s, reached out to me. Uh, and said, is this you? And I'm like, no, that's not me. And, well, the account looked legit because it was several years old. As I edit this episode on my mother's first birthday without her, I'm smiling. We may have fought like crazy over her scammer addiction as she was dying, but I think she would have been proud knowing that I've continued the fight. If you want to know more about AJ or if you want to buy his book, go to armyveteranaj.com where you can find more on his book titled Tactical Pause or go to tacticalpausebook.com. It's also available on Amazon. Until next time, Scammer Warriors. <laughs>